Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Well, welcome to episode number 44 of According to Flint. Just shifting gears a little bit, just uh, bringing a good friend. I think a good friend on the show. He is the one and only, everybody's favorite Indian. I don't know about everybody's favorite Indian, but he tells me pretty much every week that he's my favorite Indian. Dancing, (laughs) dancing Dougie Hall himself. Thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Flint. I appreciate you. Hey, did you notice? I know we, we were kind of talking before we went on the air, but I, I, I wore my Montana Western rodeo shirt just for you. I wore that for you. I love it. Shoot. Every time I See the color red. I always think, uh, holy, holy else. <laughs> That's right. The old, uh, the, the coach of, uh, Western Montana. She'd been there since, since I was there. Yeah, for sure. I remember, uh, when was it? I remember when they were doing her like retirement kind of party and then like the alumni had sent in videos and you sent one in and, uh, he said, I bet you anything she's sitting somewhere in the crowd wearing a red blazer and black khakis. <laughs> <laughs> the black polyester pants and the red blazer. Oh, I'm glad yeah. you remember that. Well, a fellow, a fellow Western alum right here, reminiscing. So um you made but you made the college national finals, didn't you? My my girls are in right now in the midst of college rodeo season, the spring season. Uh, you made the college finals, didn't you? Yeah, I made it when I was a junior, I believe. I didn't even know I made it until the announcer said it. <laughs> How do you not know? Like you just you just were rodeoing away and it wasn't a big concern or what? Yeah, well, like I uh bronc riding was always a struggle for me. Like it was um it was always hard. Like I always had to really uh work at it. You know what I mean? Like when I was 14, when I got into high school. I couldn't even bench press the bar. I was probably like the most least athletic kid you could ever find. Like always picked last on teams and things like that. And um, so I worked at it. You know, I rode horses bareback every day and I worked out a lot and getting on the spur board and stuff. So when the bronc ride and finally started to click, it, uh, 
it meant a lot to me. And one of my heroes was always Billy Bauer. And I remember Billy saying, he said, I never paid attention to the points and I never talked about the points. And I never talked to anybody that talked to me about the points. He said, cause it always makes you want to think a different type of way than what you should be doing. You know, no matter what the points or the money one is, you know, you still got to go out there and, and do your job. And he said, I, I just always really idolized him. So I always took that approach. Mm. I, you know, I remember sitting at like the state high school rodeo when my kids were in high school and I'd watch parents with their clipboard and their blazer or their, their <laughs> visor, you know, the visor and the clipboard. And they, they were going down the results, calculating where their kid was in the all around. And then, mm-hmm. and that was it. And I've never seen anything screw up kids so bad. My, my kids included, they'd start thinking, well, I'm sitting good in the all around. I'm like, Oh, just one at a time. One at, yeah. do the, the old, it's the old rodeo thing. Do the, do the best you can on that, on the animal you've been drawn. Right. That, that's it. Yeah, yeah. All you could do is do the best you can with what you got. Like, um, my uncle Mouse, he always hear me talk about him. My, one of my favorite, I call him Mouseisms, <laughs> is uh, he always told me, he said, my boy, you might have a lot of horses to ride, but you only got one ass. So <laughs> ride that one horse <laughs> today. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, since I was a kid, well, I don't know about a kid, but for forever, I heard about, you know, there were horses out in the Northwest um, in pro rodeo. This came from, this horse came from Mouse Hall. I'd be somewhere else. This horse came from Mouse Hall. That guy, your uncle Mouse Hall has had bucking horses around the country forever. Like, like it's like he's hidden up there on the reservation on the mountain front, just kicking out bucking horses. That fits your, that's right into what you love, isn't it? Yeah, shoot. I've always been a horse lover. And then it was, wasn't until, I mean, cause I've always known Mouse. Like first time I met him, he was had. A, do you remember the um that summer series he used to have? They called it Red Gap or the Glacier Gateway Rodeo oh. Series up in East Glacier. It, it was it that arena right <laughs> on that flat by the pond there. Yeah, right yeah, there. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I remember going up to that when I was a little kid because my uncle was riding Bronx, and we'd head up there and uh, and I wanted to be a Bronx rider, you know, because my uncle he's probably one of the best Bronx riders to come off this reservation. And uh, my uncle Winslow, my dad's brother, mm-hmm. and he, uh, I remember we'd always go up there to watch him. And, you know, I'd always hear stories about mouse and this and that. And then seeing horses buck across your TV screen with uh, mouse's brand on it, you know, the, the famous 69. They'd say that that was your uncle's horse and this and that. And so I always really idolized him, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, he, uh, I, the first time I met him, I always remember it was up at his uh, summer series rodeo. And I was probably like eight years old and I heard he had a, a bronc riding school coming up and I wanted to be a bronc rider. So I go walking b- behind the chutes and I look and I see mouse and it's like 80 degrees and he's got a duster on. <laughs> 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 he's got that red tough rag and he's got a toothpick in his mouth. And I look up, I go over and I kind of tug on his duster. And he looks down at me and I'm looking up at him and he just looks like the Indian John Wayne. <laughs> and I said, uh, Hey, uh, uncle mouse, are you having a bronc ride in school? And he was getting ready to flank a horse that one of my cousins was getting on. 
and he looked at me and said, you watch this old mare. She's the bronc riding school. So I just sat on that chute with him and my cousin got on that horse. And I mean, that mare didn't buck like no old mare. She piled my cousin up. They had to go scoop him out of the arena. And I remember thinking, I think I'm good on the school for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was it. Class was over. Uh, yeah, class was over. <laughs> there was some good bronc riders up there. Like <clears throat> your uncle Winslow, you know, I always, one of the best bronc riders and coolest bronc riders I knew uh, was Scotty Ogier from up on the Blackfeet yeah. Reservation. And he was flashy. And I remember I, as a kid watching Scotty Ogier and he'd win the bronc ride and Bob Shaw would win the, win the bareback riding. And then when, when I got married and I was older and my kids were junior, like in junior events, I went to the Big Timber NRA Rodeo and Scotty Ogier won the saddle bronc riding and Bob Shaw won the, the bronc ride and Bob Shaw won the bareback ride. And like 20 years later, nothing has ever changed. But <laughs> there's some guy. Well, you're, am I right? Because I read that your Indian name is crazy after horses. Right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. When you guys look at your, your culture and kind of your heritage, man, horses are ingrained in the Plains Indian heritage, especially up on the Blackfeet Res. That it's just part of who you are, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I mean, shoot, like, well, you've seen it, you know, you've driven through Browning and mm-hmm. I mean, I can't speak for every reservation, but I'd say most of the reservations in Montana are like, or maybe like 80% of the reservation you ever go to, you know, you drive through them and there's kids riding bareback through town or they got, they're playing basketball. <laughs> it's They're either riding bareback or playing basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're running around racing and stuff like that. I remember one time we was at, I can't remember what rodeo it was, but it was Indian rodeo and, uh, this bucking horse, um, threw the guy off and it jumped out of the arena. It was right on the track. It jumped out of the arena and like everybody, you know, like normally people would start panicking because all the kids are right there where this bucking horse just jumped the fence and shoot, it jumped the fence and it headed out across that track and all them Indian kids just started racing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're on the highway more than anything. When you go up uh, highway 89 from Shoto to Browning, it's like, okay, slow down. There's horses on the highway here. Like my neighbor yeah. got in a wreck. He hit one when I was up there. So, oh, shoot. but yeah, you look out across the, the prairie up the plains up there in those rolling hills and it's horses, few cows, a few grizzly bears, <laughs> few kids. <laughs> uh, it, when you, it, it's interesting because, and I don't, I, I've become more interested in it, it because growing up, near Browning and the Blackfeet Reservation was just part of kind of how we were growing up. My dad announced Indian rodeos for when we were kids. He announced every Indian rodeo up there, Birch Creek, and they'd have one in Browning. I think I was, I, I was pretty old when I realized my dad's not an Indian. Like, <laughs> they, used, they used to tell him one of the birds up there, beaver bird or one of them asked him to rope with him in an Indian rodeo. My dad said, I'm not an Indian. He said, you act like one. Just come, come with us. You're, you're okay. <laughs> but looking at your heritage, are, what is your heritage as far as tribal relation? Are you, 
all black feet. What, where, where do you go back in, in all of that? I'm uh, mostly Blackfoot, and then uh, I'm part Cree. And uh, but the way Mouse tells it, and this will probably piss a lot of people off, but I don't really care. Yeah, we do. Um, (laughs) 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 As long as it's you that piss them off and not me, we're good. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all me. Uh, He said, "My boy," he said, "If you think about it, we were talking about our family and stuff and bloodlines and whatnot." He said, "Us Indians are no different than the bucking horses out there." And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you think about it. You, all these horses are right here in this herd. Well, they all get related. Well, then they go over to that herd and steal a mare so that, <laughs> so that they don't inbreed. <laughs> <laughs> he said, so technically a Plains Indian is just a Plains Indian. Because back then, like, and it sounds pretty gruff. It's just the way it was. It was all about survival you know, survival and common sense, you would go and uh, say, um, say you had, you say, say you had a wife or a daughter and, um, but you needed some horses. Well, that horse was going to be able to feed you, you know? So you would go to a, you know, say like a, somebody from another tribe or another band or whatever. And say, uh, you know, I'll trade you my daughter. Or I'll trade you, you know, this woman for, two horses are for that horse, you know, cause it was all about survival, you know, putting food in the mouths. And, um, that's how they did it because the life expectancy of men wasn't very long. You know, men were always going out on, uh, raiding parties and, uh, you know, going out and hunting and stuff. Well, it was risky. It's always risking your life. So, um, wow. uh, it was, it was all about, it sounds crude, but you know, that's how they live. That's how they survive. I think in our, in our telling of history, we see it in every aspect of history in our country around the world. Now that we want to eliminate that part of history that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the, I don't think we're told that's why I like talking to guys like you. Cause I don't, I don't think we get told enough of the accurate history and it sounds crude. There's a term for holding your um, culture as superior ethnocentrism or something where you hold this, your culture as a standard and judge others by that. You can't do it. It was a hard, hard lifestyle, but we can't eliminate that part of history though. Can we? No, I mean, just look at it for what it was. And I mean, Take what you like and leave the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but you got, yeah, you got to know it because you got to know how to sort through it, you know? Um, yeah. It's funny. I was at the state basketball tournament one year. It was in Missoula. It was a few years ago. And there was about four or five Indian native teams playing. And I sat down. And for some reason, I always sit and BS with them and have a pretty good relationship just to, with what I've done in rodeo and stuff. There's a pretty good connection there. And this guy said, well... One way to, it goes back to what you're saying about the horses and the tribes and it really you're all, it's very close proximity in Montana. So yeah, you're all related, but he said, yeah, when we play each other, we sure hate each other, but if they're playing somebody else, I'm cheering for them. <laughs> like the unwritten rule. So, um, it is in this, 
I want to talk about this because it's really at the heart of what you're doing now with, you know, it's great. I just saw on social media, you've been doing a lot of motivational speaking. You've been going to schools, schools on the reservation, giving a good message. And we'll get to that, but it really traces back to, um, you know, life was hard back in history, but life on the reservation for young people now, and I've been through Browning, I've, I've played sports up there. It's tough for kids. It's a hard, it ain't, it, it ain't an easy life, is it? No, I mean, shoot, like, I mean, for starters, like right where we live, it's, uh, well, you know how Browning is like, it'll snow about two to five <laughs> feet and blow like 130 miles an hour. <laughs> hey, when you talked about the arena at East Glacier up on that flat, all I can think about is that little pond with the white caps from the wind blowing there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, shoot, the weather's brutal here. And then, I mean, uh, and there's no other way to put it. Um, you go to a reservation, you want to know what a, and don't get me wrong, I had a great childhood and I love where I grew up. I love my culture, love my people. Um, but I remember, you know, I had some buddies from college and the, for some reason they drove through Browning and they were just, and they were in shock, you know what I mean? Because it's, sometimes it's like, uh, it's like seeing a third world country for the first time. And, um, and like I said, there's no other way to put it. Um, what I think, what I think it happened and what's, what started all that was, uh, did you ever hear that term historical trauma? Mm, tell me. Like, um, like back in the day, uh, when the way, the way I was told is when the government put five wires up around this chunk of land here and, um, you know, said, uh, you know, this is where you Blackfeet got to live. And if you left, if you left the reservation without permission, you got one year in the state penitentiary. And um, they allotted everybody land will shoot. One thing about this grass here on the Blackfeet reservation is it's got two to 3% more crude protein than um, a I think anywhere else, in the, I think there's another place like here, but I think it's in like Africa or something. Mm -hmm. I can't remember, but animals do well here in the spring and summer. And so it's very profitable and it's very beautiful. You know, I mean, it's a very profitable piece of land. Yes. Well then, um, uh, the settlers started to realize that and, um, they started, uh, well, they would get they would get Indians drunk to get them to sign a paper to you know to sell their land and things like that. And so, um, one thing, and this is just my opinion. This ain't the way it is. Um, you know, just just take it with a grain of salt. But uh, you see, um, European cultures have been exposed to um, alcohol and um, food like foods with starches you know, things like that and sugar, um, I process sugar, like they've been, that that's been introduced into European, European cultures for a really long time. And thousands of years, thousands of years. And, uh, Indians, um, we didn't get introduced to that until like, well, well, well at least my tribe, at least like three, 400 years ago, that's only like the way I look at it. That's like three or four grandpas. That's not very long. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
our bodies can't handle things like that. That's why you see a lot of diabetes on the reservation. And um, you see a lot of alcoholism, you know, because uh, they're, they, they get a drink of that alcohol and they're basically allergic to it. It's an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And um, I used to think alcoholics were bad people, but uh, I, I don't think, I think it's, it, it just causes good people to say and do some bad things. And um, so say like back then, uh, things happened to my ancestors, you know, and they were here on the reservation. Well, how did they cope with it? You know, something traumatic happened to them. You know what I mean? You know, got your hair cut off and got your land taken from you. Got beat up if you spoke your language. Um, just lots of uh, horrible things happen. And um, then, then they had kids. And then their kids seen their parents doing the same thing. And it just, just like genetic, just like bucking horses. You know what I mean? Like you look at lunatic fringe, like a lot of his cults buck a lot like him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They re really put their head between their legs, just kind of sweep the arena with their nose. You know, a lot of them do that. Well, that stuff gets passed down. You know, they act like their dad, they act like their mom. And um, same thing with people. Well, then those kids had kids, then they had kids. And now you got me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So a lot of that, um, and I'm not blaming or condemning anybody. I'm just looking at it for what it is. Cause that's how we learn, right? We look, you know, so we don't repeat the same stuff. We look at history. So somehow if life is to improve for you, like as an individual, you have to break the cycle. You have to step yeah. in and break that cycle. And you have yeah. made the conscious decision and your mom made you do it. She told you, you got to break the cycle. She may not use those words, but she said, you promised me in a sense. She said, you promised me you're going to break that cycle. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. You're very, you're right. I, uh, when an Indian woman tells you something and gives you that look and goes like <laughs> that, I mean, Feels like you get snapped by a by, snapped by a bullwhip right between your eyes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you kept your promise, correct? Yeah, yeah, I did. I uh, I was also like, you know, I've I've had a lot of help, and um, it takes. You ever hear that saying? It takes a tribe to raise a kid. And I ain't perfect by any means, and I ain't no angel. I've made mistakes, and you know things like that, like everybody does. Um, but I was also very fortunate to have people like, like my dad, like my mom, like my uncle mouse, like, um, uncle wins, you know, people that were, uh, that they didn't, you know, they didn't care what I wanted to do with my life. As long as they pointed me in a good direction, like, especially after my mother died, one of the people that really took me in was uncle mouse. Um, and he, and you know, I got a good education at Western, <laughs> yeah. but I'll tell you the best school I've ever been to was Mouse Hall School. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, hey, when my kids were little traveling with us, their mom and their mom was really good about saying, we, we never, we try not to let school get in the way of a good education. 
And, <laughs> and that wasn't a, you know, we were, it goes to what you say. It, there are other ways you can learn a lot. And by the way, not everybody has an uncle mouse. You might be the only friend I have that has an uncle mouse. <laughs> um, but that's what you do. You need that person to put their arm around you in a sense and go this way. Then it's up to you. It, you're the only one, though, that can really decide to go that way. Yeah. And you went yeah, that way. Sure. You did that. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no. It's all you, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I like, uh, I don't know, Mouse always, like, ever since I got close, I didn't get close to him until I was probably, like, 20 years old, 21 years old, because I would come back from school while I needed a summer job, and he has that trail ride in business, now you take tourists on horses up to the border of Glacier Park, and, you know, kind of show them around a bit, and um, I was one of his guides, and I remember I'd show up every morning and he really took a liking to me because, um, uh, say like my grandpa, my dad's dad, my, my dad's dad's name was cap cap hall. Well, cap and mouse were raised like brothers. You know, they were really close. And, um, unfortunately I, you know, I didn't get to meet my grandpa cap. He passed away. Um, when my dad was pretty little and, uh, anyway, my, he was a bucking horse guy, bronc rider and, you know, always smiling and stuff. And I remember Mouse told me, he said, when I look at you, I don't see Doug, I see Cat Paul. Mm. And um, so I think, uh, you know, every morning I'd show up to work, I'd get there about seven o'clock and I'd go and get the trail horses in. And after I'd get them in, by then the other guys would start showing up and um, they would, uh, you know, they'd start showing up and Mouse, he'd always yell at me and wave me into his office. And he'd make everybody else saddle and grain horses. And he'd just sit there and pour me coffee and talk to me about bucking horses. <laughs> uh, what a turd. You had it figured out. Yeah, that's what he told me. He said, I remember one time he said, uh, I know you, Doug Hall. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I used to be just like you. He said, you always show up really early for breakfast or really late for dinner. You got it figured out. <laughs> I can imagine. Hey, I got to, I I have just from all my travels around the country, you have a trail riding business and I didn't know mouse had that business. I can just imagine the tourists, they go home to their city or wherever they're from. We went on a trail ride with a real Indian. It was so cool. (laughs) He had a ponytail. (laughs) Did you play it up? I mean, he got it. You don't really have to because you're, you know, you, you got the long hair, but. It would be awesome if you just show up one morning, we're going on a trail ride, and you're in a loincloth with a bow on your back. (laughs) (laughs) Like wind in his hair on Dances with Wolves. Remember? Yeah. That's a tip for you. I'm making you money, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's business class right here. (laughs) Uh, Marketing. It's marketing, Doug. It's marketing. Um, You know, it's interesting, though, uh, my, you know, I talked about my mom and dad who are going to watch this, but my dad spent a lot of time. He taught school up in Harlem, you know, up by the res there. And he was at Crow Agency for a time in Hayes Lodgepole, that area. And um, he has pointed out and tell me, you know, if I'm in this, again, I'm stating kind of what I've heard. Don't take it with a grain of salt, but it's hard because 
I see it in basketball more than anything where they play basketball. And I mean, that's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. And, and the people on the reservation say he should go play college basketball. But then when they do, they get a little chastised for leaving. It's like, wait a minute, you deserted us. Uh, that might be a little harsh, but am I, you know what track I'm on. There's a little bit yeah. of, it, it's that <laughs> it pulls them back into that life that they're leading on the reservation, kind of. Uh, on track? Am I on track with that? Oh, yeah, you're very on track. You're like, uh, and I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, um, Indians are really clannish people. You know what I mean? Like, we like to be around our own kind. Like, naturally. Like, me, like I can go out. Yeah. Naturally. Like, just naturally naturally like i can go out like anywhere in the world anywhere in the country like where was i i was at the um i think i was at the national finals you know he was there watching it and stuff and i looked around i seen a i seen an indian guy and his wife <laughs> you know i didn't even know where he was from i didn't know who he was we just automatically like as soon as we we just locked eyes and we we're instant best friends like <laughs> <laughs> you're partners Okay, you were instantly, yeah. yeah. You know, you just kind of give, like, you give them that Indian, that Indian way to go like that. Hey! <laughs> Hell, I do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, uh, or they're really, uh, um, like I said, really clannish people. They like to be around their own kind. And um, it's really hard for a native to step out of their comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like, like the college basketball college thing like that. And, uh, um, you really, I, you gotta have a, a good support group, you know what I mean? And, um, I guess to, to step out of that comfort zone. And I, I mean, like I've seen it, like I talk about, it, like I've said it on my videos. I don't care. Like it's like, um, um, and it's not always negative, but a lot of the times, like you have them people that are like grabs in the bucket, you know what I mean? You grab, tries to out of the bucket and see the ocean, view the world, and uh, the other crabs say and do things to try to pull them back in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, because it's like, because I remember I was watching, it was, uh, what the heck was it? Um, I was watching one of your interviews with Dan Mortensen, I think it was. And you guys were talking about like how people from your um, some some people from your own community will like try to like, oh, yeah, I know that guy and this and that. And, like they'll try to like bring their own kind down, you know, to bring you, you know, to, and everybody's yeah. equal. Nobody's better than nobody, but they try to. It's just a jealousy thing, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Am I on track? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I see it a little Again, you and I sit here and worry about getting in trouble for what we say. <laughs> I see it a little in Montana. As we, you know, the week we're doing this is the only main PBR tour stop in Montana. It's Billings. Yeah. And uh, I, it's my most pressure-filled week with the pull of not just good stuff, you know, if people want tickets or come to the radio station, but also a pressure of... Oh, yeah, I remember when you were at Big Timber. You were way better. Now you're off doing, oh, go. Oh, don't hang out with us. You're in these cities. A little bit. Not as not all that much, but I, I do feel that a, a little bit. Yeah. 
So I'm with you on that. So yeah, you're on track on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like uh, my uncle Mouse, like I really take a lot from him. Like a lot of like who I am, like I'd say like 80% of who I am comes from that guy. And um, he told me, you know, uh, what the heck was it? I, um, I was frustrated because I was, um, I was entering rodeos and they were conflicting with one another because I was um, entering pro rodeos and stuff. Well, they were conflicting with these other rodeos that I was entering. And um, I was really frustrated. And I always remember Mouse. And you know how Mouse is like you've met. <laughs> he said, uh, my boy, you can spend your whole life trying to be the world's best Indian. Or you could quit being afraid of white guys. <laughs> he walked away. Yeah. You, what'd you post the other day? Um, you were sitting there drinking coffee with him, and I couldn't hear it very good where I was. Something about women. He was talking about, do you know what I'm talking about? Or what? Yeah, he said, uh, he said, bucking horses are just like women. And he said, uh, as soon as you need them, they run off. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> There's so many, those guys. By the way, I got to tell you something. Halfway halfway through this, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Derek Begay, the, the roping sensation from the Navajo Nation. I had him on my show in Vegas, and, and which, which I had you too. And it was great. You were on on a good day. You, you, that was a good day for us with Forey Smith and you and anyway, but afterward, Derek Begay's big joke is he Flint, you know, when we play Cowboys and Indians, you can only play one part and I can play two because <laughs> he's an Indian <laughs> and cow. So that's his big joke. And we laughed. And after the show, this couple stopped me and they were, a, a they introduced themselves there from Arizona. They were a Navajo couple. And the little lady, the little wife, they got a picture. And she said, hey, you know what you say when, when Derek play, says you can't play both parts, Cowboys and Indians? I said, yeah. And I laughed. She goes, that's not true because halfway through the interview, you start talking just like him. <laughs> <laughs> so by the end of this interview, I'm going to leave here and go downtown Billings. I'm going to, I'll see somebody go, Hey, Oh, dang it. Damn you, Dougie Hall. Damn you. <laughs> you start saying in it. It is. It's my cousin in it. Like, oh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I do. I get that when we go to Albuquerque, you know, my, my, my joke that I tell to the crowd in Albuquerque, you'll appreciate it. I think you, maybe you've heard it. Look at us telling, I'm going to, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast with, with my Indian friend telling Indian jokes. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> my favorite one ever though. And they love it. The crowd loves it. You got to endear yourself and know that you're all, there's no, it's kind of fun, you know, but it's the old, when you go to the haunted house, I always say the haunted house in Gallup, New Mexico, compared to the regular haunted house. Then the regular one, the ghost jumps out and goes, boo. And in Gallup, he jumps out and goes, boo. Hey, got you. <laughs> <laughs> You can use that. You can use it, but I want credit. <laughs> oh, shoot. I think I was watching, uh, what the heck was it, Dave Chappelle, and he said, I I just came from the biggest gathering of Native Americans I've ever seen in my life. I think it was Dave Chappelle. Don't quote me, but he said, uh, he said, uh, yeah, it was in Walmart in Gallup, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Really? 
<laughs> no shit. He said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is that's funny uh walmart on king avenue and billings is right there too so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh shoot oh that's good at least we can laugh about it you know it's yeah you know, that's always good you know I, I find it interesting i i read something that you were in i didn't write this down but it just popped into my head with that in mind a little i don't know why i thought of this but you're good friends with will shirley right is it yeah. Will? You're, you guys yeah. are really good friends. Uh-huh. And it's a very interesting story about when you first met him and how cautious he was standoffish <laughs> with you, right? Because something had happened with his family and he, he didn't like Indians, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, what happened was when he was a little kid, they were buying a, um, or no, they sold a trailer house they were living in. They moved and they sold this trailer house to some, some Indians and they, uh, anyway, I guess one day they heard some noise out and, um, out, out, you know, out in their driveway and stuff. And they looked out there and the people that they had sold their trailer to were, um, were stealing from their barn. And it was a big ruckus, you know, his dad went out there and, you know, you know, hit one of them, knocked him down, was chasing the other one. Cops were called, well, Will's just a little kid, you know what I mean? And it, first impressions are you know kind of important as the first indians they ever met and they were robbing them you know what i mean so naturally you're gonna be scared of indians because that was your first encounter with them well then (laughs) i remember it was uh because after my fat it was when i was well fast forward when i was um 16 after my family and i had gotten that car accident my mother died my dad was really uh cautious with me he didn't you know, he just lost his wife. And so he, he was really protective. He didn't want me to ride bucking horses. He didn't want me to get hurt. He didn't want to lose his baby. Well, uh, one day dad's gone on a business trip. And, <laughs> and uh, remember I was talking about my goofy uncle Winslow. Yeah. Well, go- goofy uncle Winslow throws me in the car and takes me to go ride bucking horses when my dad was gone. <laughs> and uh, to any kids that are listening right now, your parents are going to get mad at me, but when you're chasing your dreams and doing what you want to do, sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. <laughs> so remember that anyway, <laughs> uh, my uncle takes me to town and we get to the bucking horse practice. And, um, there's, well, you know, Dutch and Scotty had horses there. Actually and, uh, the full name is Dutch and Scotty and them. Oh yeah. Dutch, Dutch and Scotty. And them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they get some stickers with that. And, uh, <laughs> I, I call it, uh, Dutch is uh, rodeo company is whatever it's called. What's it? Uh, Black Eagle. Black Eagle Rodeo Company. I actually call it Dutch and Scotty and them Rodeo Company. So yeah, yeah Dutch stickers. And Scotty. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, we get to this bucking horse practice at uh, what the heck was it? I mean, there's probably like at least say like twenty to thirty Indians behind the shoots. And, uh, you know, all joking around, hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, horses are running in. And, I mean, there's a lot of colts there. And you know how colts are their first uh-huh. time. I mean, they're wild, snorting, flipping over. <laughs> and the, the Indians are just laughing at it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like just a normal day on the res. And then I look over and I see there was there was three white kids. There was uh, Will Shirley, Calvin Ophis, and Quincy Rasmussen. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I wonder if Quincy was there. 
And I mean, they just, I mean, their eyes are like this and they're just looking around like, like all these Indians are laughing and war hooping and they're just like, oh my God, like we're going to get killed or something. (laughs) (laughs) And the most nervous looking one was Will and I go up and I thought, shit, this guy looks pretty nervous. I got to make friends with him. He just looks too tense. So I went up to him. I said, hi, my name's Doug. And I introduced myself, shook his hand and he looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> it, uh, he shook my hand, and anyway, we became friends. And I, um, I remember what the heck was it? He needed a because he broke his wrist that day. He was getting on bareback courses at the time, and he broke his wrist, so he didn't want to ride bareback anymore, which was a smart choice in my opinion. Anyway, <laughs> he went to ride in saddle bronc, and uh, he didn't have any boots to ride bucking horses so i gave him a pair of mine you know because that's how we're raised you know native culture we're very uh we're very giving you know what i mean like if somebody needs something and you got it you give it to them like the chief back in the day the chief wasn't a rich man like the chief um somebody in the tribe needed a, a horse to go hunt some buffalo you know the chief would give them his horse you know they needed this the chief would give it to him if he had it so that's how I, that's how we're brought up in native culture, at least, you know, in the Blackfoot culture. Well, there's this, this poor white kid just broke his wrist, don't got no boots. <laughs> so I gave him some boots. <laughs> After I gave him them boots, he thought he owed me his life. <laughs> but that changed his image because from, a, as he was a little kid, his first yeah. image was to be standoffish. And yeah. you, you broke that wall down for him a little bit, right? Yeah, I didn't even realize there was a wall there. I was just, you know, doing doing how these, you know, the my my elders raised me and it it uh rubbed off on him, I guess. Now he kinda acts like an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Quincy Quincy would go up there and ride a lot and wrote whatever. Yeah. And he'd come home and uh is up there riding. I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> You're good now, <laughs> Quincy. But that, it, it is funny though. You, those guys go up, and I'd I, I'd run into a lot of guys from up on the reservation. Different young, you know, young guys, different kind of generation than me. But be at a rodeo. How's Quincy doing? Every you know, it it yeah. It, they just kind of became a part because there was like two or three of them, and you guys just kind of did this with them and took them in, and and uh, yeah, Quincy. He's he landed on his head a lot. He, he yeah, really, Quincy's, he's Blackfoot now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, let me ask you, since you've said it a couple times, technical, technical term, tribal names. Uh-huh. In Is it Blackfoot in Canada and Blackfeet in Montana? Is it mixed? Some will step up and correct you right away. Yeah. Yeah. You, are they interchangeable to you? What's the correct what's the correct way? Um I don't know like down here they say black feet but up in Canada like you said they say black foot so um I always looked at it like I just started saying black foot because um uh the the Canadian black foot they're a lot more um they're a lot more uh into our old ways than we are down here like they're a lot more fluent in our language because they say that like down here we talk baby talk but up there you know they've um they're really really fluent and they're really uh knowledgeable in our ways 
And so um, I thought, well, shoot, babe, them guys know a lot more. And they say Blackfoot. I'll just copy them. <laughs> do you do you speak Blackfoot? Are are do you have a little of the language? Uh, a little bit. I'm not very fluent, but I can speak it a little bit. Like what I know a lot of that, like uh, Ray Champ, who who lives up there, married to Jimmy. Mm. He's he's a crow, and he'll speak. He'll he'll teach me words in crow, and it's a little. It's a lot of the. It, it's back here. Like, like you're hawking a loogie. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, he helps me with that. What's the Blackfoot like? Can you say how's it sound? You know a little. Do say something. I don't. Whatever. I know that's asking a lot. But oh no, no, you're good. Like, uh, and you really got to be careful because the words are very close together. Like you could say something, but if you mispronounce it just a hair, you say something completely different. Um, like uh, like Oki is uh, hello, and Oki is water. Oh. So you're the water yeah, has the oh, oh, but yeah, okay, okay, it's hello, yeah, okay, but I need some oh, <laughs> <laughs> you can use that one because <laughs> your throat, my throat's dry, I need some oh, okay, <laughs> but yeah, so you get that's it. There's some technical little things in there that could get you in trouble. Yeah, but like uh, well, Indians really got a good sense of humor. So if like you mispronounce something, like they'll just laugh at you. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that the language stuff is interesting to me because really we come European culture, which we're we're all a part of. It, it's kind of there's a base, a Latin base of things. You know, there's Spanish things and English things, and it's all it's all. Here, you know, Spanish is uh, Buenos Dias, Dios Paso Loco. I am a crazy clown. It's all in here, and I'm around a lot of Brazilians that speak Portuguese, and it's a little different. But the the native languages, the way that they enunciated and and expressed was you can tell it's based on completely different things. It intrigues me. Like I love to hear it when they speak. You know, that's why Ray, it's, it's hard to me. I think it would be very hard. Yeah. Like, uh, natives are very visual people. So like they're, you're named, um, like, like Indian names, you're named accordingly, you know, to how you behave or something you did. Um, you know, your character, you're, you're named, you know, how you are and or how you look. Um, and like, uh, like you, I was just thinking like you, uh, I call you and Jake Hayworth, you know, I call you guys both the same thing as outsopsy, not be quan. Outsopsy, not what? Outsopsy. Outsopsy. Not be. Not be. Quan. Quan. What, and what, and is, okay, what is it? <laughs> the crazy white man. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's simple <laughs> yeah why do you ask two dogs screwing remember that one yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean like really visual people like uh um like even now like uh like they'll give nicknames you know indians give everybody like i don't even know like a lot of people in my family i don't even know their real name i just know their nickname like <laughs> 
Uh, well, obviously, Mouse isn't a real name. Do you know Mouse? Yeah, name? Like, like I thought that was his real name until you just a couple of years ago here. I found out that uh, his uh, older sister, when he was a baby, he ate the middle out of a piece of bread like a mouse. And so she started calling him Mouse and just stuck. Yeah, well, Dutch Lunic, Dutch's name is, uh, what's Dutch's name? It's, uh, I know, because he's been in a lot Alvin. of movies. Alvin. Yeah, so yeah. and I see him on movie credits. There's guys make good money. Skinny Campbell. I don't know what Skinny Campbell's name was. It's just skinny. Yeah, I don't even know Skinny's real name. <laughs> he wasn't skinny. I mean, when I know him, you know. That's been a, yeah. hey, that's a, speaking of that, and I see uh, Alonzo Skunk Cap's been doing some stuff, and Dutch and Scotty and them, I almost said. They have been, the the TV slash movie industry has been good to a lot of guys up there, hasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Um, Stunt work, horse wrangling, providing horses. Those guys have done really well. What about you? All right. When are you going to beat Yellowstone? Like, you're (laughs) perfect. Like, you're perfect for that. Has anybody talked to you? Um, I gotten a few offers, like, uh to go on movies and stuff but it was always like right in the heat of rodeo season um so i never went you know like uh i um and there's there's movies that get shot that are like during the winter and stuff like that say like down like in warmer states but um i guess it's uh it's something i want to i want to do in my life as well but uh it just i guess the stars just haven't quite aligned yet because i That'd be pretty fun. I mean, I let you get paid to go and be yourself, you know. <laughs> Dougie Hall as Indian number one. <laughs> yeah, Indian number one. <laughs> Dougie, let me give you a tip. I've been on a couple movie sets, and, and I know it's rodeo season, but I'm just going to tell you, it pays more than riding Bronx. I'm telling you, uh-huh. it's pretty good, buddy. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for the, sure. I put listen, if you get on like Yellowstone, you gotta take me. You gotta be like <laughs> Heck yeah, for sure. No, I'd uh, I definitely keep that in mind. You know, if I get an opportunity to go, uh, you know, the next time around, I'll definitely definitely go because it's those guys they come back and they just tell you how much fun they had, you know, and you see them on TV like Oh, hey, you know, that's Dutch and that's Doug Fitzgerald and that's Danny Edmo. You know, you see, like, you know, it's it's pretty fun to watch. Them. I don't watch Yellowstone very often, but I watched an episode where they had to take some horses. The BLM or whatever had them all corralled up and they had to trail them through the mountains. Of course, it's TV, so it's a dead run, which a lot of times yeah. with horses it is. And I, I kept going, I know that. And so they got a bunch of Indians. That was the deal. They got a bunch of Indians to help them. And I think I recognize like a third of them. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's from the same herd of horses. You know, you just go pick another, you know, so, but, uh, Hey, tell me this. I don't think between you and me, it's a touchy subject. I've talked to a couple of my friends. I remember having the conversation with Dustin bird from up in cut bank Browning. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask you how I'm supposed to feel, but give me your take because in our culture today, it's a real hot topic. My memories of, of mascots, and I'm going to, I'm going to maybe in this part, post a picture. I have a, I have a picture of the Browning Indians basketball team running out onto the floor at a tournament in full headdresses. 
from my childhood, that is one of the coolest high school sports memories that I have. The guys drumming on the sideline and them coming out and doing layups in full headdresses on the, mm-hmm. you know, from the, and they're the Browning Indians. That's yeah. my memory of mascots being Indians. The Browning Indians, the Lodgegrass Indians, the Poplar Indians, uh, the Ronan Chiefs, the Flathead Braves. Mm-hmm. That's how I see I, I always looked at it. There was a real pride there. It's a touchy subject in our country. What's your take on it? The The Cleveland Indians baseball team changed their name. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts is it's all about, you see, in, in Indian culture, it's all about respect, right? It's all about um, respect. Uh, part of that's honesty. And... Um, What's the other one? Respect, honesty, and common sense. You know, those are basic. I mean, that's not written in stone, but to me, that's what I gather from all of the teachings I've got from elders and stuff. And so uh, I think if you do it in a respectful way, Mm -hmm. it's all right. You know what I mean? Say like if the mascot, you know, like the Browning Indian, you know, obviously the mascot is a real Indian Indian a and they draw a really, they draw a really respectful, um, you know, like you see it on buses and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They they draw them in a really respectful way, mm-hmm. and um, so I think if you do it in a respectful way, say like if you know the mascot, say for like, like did the Washington Redskins? Did they change their name? They did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they changed. good job, Doug. Way to keep up. <laughs> yeah, they did uh, a couple of years ago. They they and they just oh, eliminated. Yeah. yeah. But look what their logo was, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, like if you if because their logo, I think that one was a um was that was that like the it looked like the same Indian off the buck. Remember the Buffalo Head Nickel? Could be. It was uh, yeah, that it was designed by Blackie Wetzel up on the Blackfeet uh-huh. Reservation, and it was modeled after a Blackfeet chief, something calf. I, I'd have to look it two up. Gu- two guns, white calf. Two guns, white calf. And so it was a dignified, okay, rightly so. The Cleveland Indians mascot was a cartoon caricature of an Indian. So I get the the actual visual of it. But like the Redskins one, it's kind of the opposite. The name is a derogatory term in history. The logo itself was very dignified and very prideful, correct? Yeah, I think so. I like I said, if you do it in like a, like how you saying dignified and prideful in your respect and honest about it, I, I, to me it's all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like say like if they if it really got down to it and they needed to, you know, they got their mask. If they they go and hire a native, you know, tell them we'll pay you such and such, and you know he's their mascot. Um, like I think that'd be all right. You know what I mean? Because he'd be a a, a real authentic native american you know wearing the regalia and stuff and then it'd be okay yeah um and that's that's my take on it. you know i'm not too um i'm not too i don't get bent out of shape over a lot of things like that like there's a lot of people that do but um i think there's way more important things in life because it's easy like i listen to les brown a lot motivational speaker he said he thinks people are just born negative and a lot of the negative people they're uh what it is is they're just unhappy 
they're unhappy with their life because are you're familiar with the medicine wheel, right? Flint? Yes. Yeah. Like to me, the medicine wheel, like the way I was taught, like there's four parts to it. You mm-hmm. take care of yourself mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. And at the center of that medicine wheel, I believe there's one in everybody is who you truly are. And if you don't take care of who you truly are, take care of yourself in those aspects of your life. Um, you're going to be unhappy. You're going to be a real sour son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Right. And, and people that are really unhappy are, are going to find something to complain about. They're going to find somebody to hate. They're going to find something to hate because they're not taking care of who they truly are. So that's my whole take on the thing is that a lot of people that um, complain and are upset is uh, they're not they, you know, they're not, they're not looking in the mirror, you know, you know, don't worry about what that guy's doing. Like McMouse, mouse always says it, watch your own gate, because if you watch, if you watch your neighbor's gate, stuff's going to get out of your gate. So watch your gate is how he says it. And I just like to watch my own gate. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got to make a little book mouseisms, And there's one on every page, just a daily, yeah. a daily mouseism. A daily mouse. Yeah. There you go. Look at we're a team, man. <laughs> Heck yeah. This is working out good. <laughs> uh, you know that, I don't know. I'm interested in the, cause I'm a sports guy, but I get a lot of, a lot of my friends from out of state. I, I have a good friend I work with. Uh, uh, I won't say who he is, but he's from Houston area. And he, you know, through the years we, we do autograph signings at the mall during the Billings PBR and a lot of, Natives, a lot of Indians, they come from all over to the PBR, and so they come through and get autographs. So my big thing is I ask, I'll, I'll, okay, it's Clint Atkins. <laughs> it is. And I'll elbow <laughs> Clint and say, what's their, do you remember? Lodgegrass, what's their, what's their mascot? Do you remember? And I'd say, look at them. What's their mascot? He, to this day, is very uncomfortable just saying the word Indian because he grew up down away from it all and has been told it's offensive. You know, uh-huh. and I tell a lot of my out-of-state friends, I, I I get it, but my take is different because of that pride. You know, the Lodgegrass Indians, you don't think they are full of pride, the Browning Indians. They just, that they're playing for more than just, they're playing for all those people that are packed in that gym, and they are packed yeah. in that gym. I don't know. That's, it's a, but I have a great picture. It's my favorite Favorite one. And, man, I love that. I remember the friend of mine played for Conrad, the Conrad Cowboys. Yeah. So one tournament championship they were playing. And the Indians came out in their full headdresses, which is my favorite. Well, they all got white cowboy hats and came Uh out. And they're doing – they're out there already. And he had his white cowboy hat, and the Indians came out, and they circled the center circle, and he was stuck in the middle. (laughs) <laughs> and they just kept circling him and they wouldn't let him out. And he said, I'm like, holy shit, what do I do? I can't get out. <laughs> Classic. So I don't know. We, it was, uh, it was such a great time in my childhood, you know, it's uh, anyway. Um, you, I mentioned earlier, you're doing some, you're traveling to some schools and doing some public speaking to kids in, in a nutshell. Uh, uh, you've covered a lot of it. But what is your, what do you end with? Like, what do you, what do you think you're leaving those kids with when they walk out of that gym? 
Um, hopefully, I'm leaving. Like, what I I try to leave him with a touch of Mouse Hall, you know, because um, he's really been influential in my life. And hopefully, what I left them with is that I pointed them in a good direction. I don't care what they do with their life, as long as it's you know, for them, as long as they're taking care of themselves and who they truly are, you know, who's at the center of their medicine wheel and, um, that they, they're just taking care of that person in the mirror. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you can, you can try to save and try to fix everybody or, you know, a lot of times the, the people we can help the least is the people that we love the most. And that's really tough in native culture because we're really family based. So you want to fix, you want to save, you want to rescue everybody, but you can't, <laughs> you can't, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, say like um, somebody in your family is not doing very good. Well, you know, they're making, you know, really bad decisions. They're hurting themselves and they're hurting people around them. Well, the way I look at it is you've been around Buffalo, right? Yeah. A little bit. A Buffalo. Yeah. A buffalo is not like a cow or a horse. A buffalo is not going to veer off. A buffalo is going to go straight, you know, no matter what's in front of it. And that's why how we fed ourselves back in the day, we used to drive them off cliffs. Yeah. Well, uh, say a person that you love that you're close to is, you know, making bad decisions for themselves and people around. Well, they're like a buffalo headed for a cliff. And, um, you know, if you get on your horse and you try to head that buffalo off, you know, you're either going to go off the cliff with it or you get close enough, it's going to hook the piss out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so just pull your horse up and save your own ass. You know what I mean? And oh. so that's hopefully that's what I leave those kids with, you know, and I always, I always, you know, throw some humor in there. I tell them things like, you know, chase your dreams, not your cousins. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to, I, See, I'm going to have to go back and write all these down. I like that one. Chase your dreams, not your cousins. Like, yeah, because I mean, like, <laughs> well, you know how it is on the res. You're related to everybody. Everybody's a cousin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you know that guy? Yeah, he's my cousin. It's spelled, yeah. <laughs> it's spelled C, uh, how do we use it? C-U-Z-E-N, my cousin. My yeah. cousin. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, though. You you do got to take, they they say that a lot. I've, you know, with stuff I've been through, I've talked to people who counsel and, and things, and the big thing they said is you got to take care of you first. You got to be okay to help somebody else. And sometimes, you're right. Some Because you damn right. People think raising you know, people say it's a bison. The hell it is. It's a buffalo. <laughs> Tatonka, it's a buffalo. But it's a bison and a Native American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at the bison and the Native American. It's a buffalo and an Indian to me, but whatever. <laughs> but they are not cows. They are they're a wild animal, basically. And 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 you do sometimes you gotta pull your horse up and left the buffalo run off the cliff to take care of you and your horse. I mean, I, yeah, you're good. That's a good message. Take care of number one. That's yeah. what Mousy always tells me. You got to take care of the man in the mirror. And like he, uh, I got, I've had a lot of long talks with him about it. Like we'd be out riding horses and gathering cows and stuff. And he'd say, uh, um, you know, my boy, he said, everything I'd done in my life, he said, I'd done it for Mouse Hall. 
He said, I didn't do it for my wife. I didn't do it for my kids. He said, I did it for this guy. And um, I really got a lot out of that because by doing all those things for himself, he took care of the people around him, you know what I mean? Because they saw him doing that. And just like, you know, Lunatic Fringe and his babies, he passed those traits on. You know what I mean? He taught me how to be my own man. Um, he taught me, you know, uh, and he's always got these little one-liners that, you know, they always pop up into my head. A lot of them you probably shouldn't say on camera. So I would. <laughs> <laughs> We're a podcast. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he he always tell me, you know, like uh, he 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 taught me how to take care of myself and to be to be my own saddle horse, not to go and be somebody else's saddle horse. And I'm not saying quit your job if you have a job. You know, I mean, work hard. You know, at your job, do whatever you got to do, but always work hard for yourself too. You know what I mean? Because if you work hard for yourself, it's eventually gonna it's gonna pay off for you. You know, and you will be working for yourself. Um, so that's one thing he taught me was how to take a job and start it and finish it and just keep taking care of the guy in the mirror. Like when, um, you know, I've always loved horses. I've loved bucking horses. I love riding them, but hanging out with him, I've, I fell in love with the, the bloodlines. You know, I fell in love with the raising of them just from being around him. And one day, you know, I finally just asked him. Cause he, he was always, he was always, you know, programming me like that every morning over coffee, take care of the man in the mirror, watch your own gate, you know, do things for yourself. And, um, and I asked him, uncle, what's your plans with your bucking horses? And he said, well, he said, my boy, I'm going to hospitals instead of rodeos. What do you got in mind? <laughs> you know, he said, I'm getting pretty old to play with them. I said, well, I've watched you since I was like this big, uh, take a, bucking horse and this is what he said you know you ever hear the law of attraction you know what you think about you you bring about he said uh um i told him i watched you build a horse up here in your mind and then i watched you go and take that mare and that stud and put them together to make that thought and after that thought was made and it was on the ground i watched you raise it and then i watched that thought buck across my tv screen and I can't let that go away. I said, will you sell me some? He said, sure. So, you know, that's when we went to helping him gather and um, go through his bucking horses. And um, they hadn't been gone through in a long time. And so we went through and we, you know, we're picking what was going to work, what mixes, which studs, which mares we wanted to keep for him. And when we went to gather him, I remember, uh, my favorite mare had just kind of separated herself and she was staring at me and I was going to leave her out of respect for that old guy. I was going to leave her to him. And he looked at me and said, how about her? Do you want her? And I told him, are you sure? And he said, yeah, you pick them that way. If they don't buck, it ain't my fault. (laughs) (laughs) We got them picked and loaded on the trailer and, like I said, like, he's always the guy that, like, he's always shown me that he loved me, but he's never said it. Like I said, he's the Indian John Wayne. So when I bought them bucking horses from him, got them loaded on the trailer, and I wrote the check, and then I tore the check out, went to hand it to him, and he came up to me, and, like, you know, like, those old gruff cowboys, 
like when you go in a, like they don't, they're not touchy feely people. Mm-hmm. So like him, I'd always tell him I loved him and I'd hug him. And when I would hug him, he would just go like this. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they, they give you that awkward pat, like just really quick like that. <laughs> That's what he would always do. And uh, anyway, I tore the check out and I went to hand it to him and he said, I hope they give you a good start, my boy. I love you. And he gave me a hug, like a real hug. And I looked up and I started crying. And I thought, holy shit, you finally said it. I had to give you a check first, but you finally said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was waiting for him to tear up the. Oh, he... no, no, he, he cashed it. <laughs> <laughs> but he loves you. <laughs> That's yeah, but he loves you. Oh, that's a good, that's a good story. That is a good story. Well, listen, um, one of the great things you say, and it's in a good, I wrote it down, uh, as I was reading something so that I remember it because I'm going to use it because you, you know, dance in Dougie hall, you do the big Indian dance at the end of a ride. And, and I like what you said, you said it, you never have been showing off doing it you're just have are so full of joy after a good ride that it comes out in you. And that's why you do the dance and, and it makes other people smile watching you full of joy and making people smile is good medicine. That's good medicine. Yeah. And, uh, I do know this, Doug, we've been talking for about an hour and I, I feel way better now than when we started talking you're good medicine, buddy. You're good medicine. So are you, Flint. I was just thinking about this. I, I met you when I was like, I was like 12 or 11 years old at the PBR in Billings. And I still have the poster. You autographed it for me. Really? And uh, yeah, like how he was talking about the law of attraction. Um, you autographed it for me and I was looking at it and I thought, holy shit, I'm going on a podcast with him, you know, here in a couple minutes. And yeah, no, I thought that was pretty cool. And then like, you know, what you, what you think about, you bring about like everything. Well, I don't, well, I don't remember you, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, I appreciate you, man. Let's keep being good medicine for each other. Deal. Sounds good. Thanks, Dougie.